The fantasy football season is right around the corner, which means we are into draft time, uh, which means everyone is losing their minds. So here to help us calm everyone down is Matt Marchese, uh, fantasy expert from Sportsnet. I'm sure you have a more official title than that, uh, but I, I'm just going to roll with uh, fantasy expert because it sounds better than fantasy know-it-all. I, you know what? I I don't even know if I'm called expert on there. I don't even know what they call me. Fantasy football columnist, uh, fantasy football guy. Um, I, I don't really really have a title. I just go by writer, um, but I'm good with expert. Even okay. know it all, I'm good with. I, I have <laughs> I, I have an ego. My head still fits through the door, uh, but I'm good with either of those. We, we did a, a fantasy football show out in Calgary um, a, a while ago now, and the, the the head boss guy had us on when he had a show, and he called me a fantasy football insider. I was like, I don't even know what that means. How can you have inside information on fantasy football? Like that, that's we, we have you officially don't. killed the, the the name insider with that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know where you can get inside information from unless you're unless you like. You're just an NFL insider. At right, that point. exactly. You're not a like, fantasy football insider. Yeah, like we're, we're probably at the point Adam Schefter would be considered a fantasy football insider, but his job title will never say that because this Correct. is still a, a silly, silly game that we play. Um, so with that said, any inside information we can provide here, um, going into the, the 2021 season, um, we're coming up on when people should be doing drafts now. Um, do, do you have a strategy or, or any kind of thing involved for like, okay, this is this is what I want to do in these fantasy drafts? Or is it just as simple as I want to get the best players that I can? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you asked that because I've been thinking about this. I haven't done um, a few of my redraft leagues. For those that are watching and listening, like I'm, I'm in like, I don't know, 25 leagues. Like it's <laughs> to the point now where it's insane. Um, and it's like best ball leagues and whatever. But for redraft purposes, I love to walk out of a draft or at least after the first five rounds I want to solidify the running back position and I don't want like I want studs so in redraft I will usually spend my first two or even three picks on running back so for example if I if I can walk away um if I can walk away from the first three rounds with you know Jonathan Taylor maybe an Austin Eckler, but probably more likely like a DeAndre Swift and uh, maybe a Chris Carson or a David Montgomery, depending on where I am on the turn. And of course, depending on how many teams in the league, I'm just basing it off of like a 12 team league, but I like to lock down that running back position. And the reason why is because quarterbacks, the value is just so close together. Like Patrick Mahomes, isn't going to outscore, you know, somebody by like a, a top six quarterback by a hundred points. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the idea of taking him early just doesn't make any sense to me and the wide receiver position. Yeah, sure. There's, you know, guys that you would love to have. I'd love to have Tyreek Hill on my team. I would, I would absolutely love to have Stefan Diggs on my team, but the running back position, and I know it's become interchangeable, but there are still guys that you know that you can count on every single week. So I like to lock down that position because I know that I can play one of them in my flex. I would much rather have, you know, a, a, an RB3, if it's David Montgomery or Chris Carson in my flex, than a guy like maybe Marvin Jones Jr. as my flex option. There's nothing wrong with Marvin Jones, but I'd just rather solidify that position because I feel like the wide receiver value is so good in later rounds. Like if you can get, you know, Jamar Chase or, or T Higgins in round nine of a draft and he's like your wide receiver two, I'm pretty, 
pretty comfortable with that. So I think locking down the running back position is so, so important for drafts. What about tight ends? Um, Cause that, that is the, the, the tight end gap after three, I feel is rather substantial. And that's cause I, I'm kind of with you normally. Like if I can go running back, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. I, I am a happy, happy man. But if I, if I can somewhere squeeze one of those top three tight ends in, I, I feel like that might be kind of the, the only strategy buster in there I could find. Yeah. And, and Travis Kelsey's the, he's the real strategy buster as far as <laughs> I'm concerned, because he's going in the late first, early second round. So if you're okay with like Travis Kelsey will score as many points as some top running backs. And you will dominate that position basically every week. So I, I'm okay with that, but I'm also okay with grabbing some value. Like I, I know people are low on TJ Hawkinson, but I, well, some people are um, because Detroit sucks, but they have to throw the ball. Like they're not going to be able to play defense and they're not going to be able to run all that much. So that's where I see increased value for guys like Hawkinson and like um, Deandre Swift in PPR formats, because TJ Hawkinson is going to get 130 targets this year. How many tight ends can you say will have that kind of opportunity share? There's not very many, Like, what's the difference between TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews? So generally speaking, Andrews has been going ahead of TJ Hawkinson in drafts, but I think I like the upside with Hawkinson better. You may not love Jared Goff as a quarterback, but his average depth of target is something like six yards per target, which is really, really low. I think that ranked, 91st out of 115 guys that threw a pass last season. So that really suits the tight end position well, suits the running back position well. So I, I'm I'm okay with grabbing a guy like Hawkinson in the fifth or sixth round because that's generally speaking where he's been going. And, and you can kind of supplant wide receivers around him. Because when you look at the at the tight end position and you mentioned it, after three, you know, there's a little bit of a crapshoot thing. For me, uh, it's it's a tier. It's it's one two and three. And you can, I would maybe even throw Kyle Pitts in that because Julio Jones has gone in Atlanta and there's a lot of target share opportunity for him. So I'd say even, I would say even one to four, but after that, you're looking at, you know, five, six and seven is Andrews Hawkinson, Noah Fant. And Noah Fant's going even three rounds later than TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews are. So you can kind of wait because I think the upside is very similar for all three guys. Okay. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that because normally uh, I think kind of the, the idea is, okay, I, I didn't get one of these big guys. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to draft a tight end before I, right before I draft a kicker in defense. But the, you're saying there could be some value in maybe getting one of those guys in the middle rounds. Yeah. I, I think that, I, I think that you can get a guy like Noah Fant in the ninth round. And I know a lot of people are going to look at, you know, who's in the Denver offense, like, okay, Cortland Sutton's there. And they just drafted Javante Williams and Jerry Judy's there and Drew Locke and, and Teddy Bridgewater kind of suck. Um, <laughs> but there's still going to be value because for a guy like Noah Fant, who's a big yards after catch type player, there's value in quarterbacks that aren't very good because they don't throw the ball deep and they don't take deep shots. And that's a guy who, you know, you can use, uh, as as a in a screen package you can use him out of the slot and you can use him on sl- like you can use him all over the field right and especially in short yardage situations where you're throwing it you know two or three yards downfield and let him go so i think there's some value in there because at the end of the day you you should 
if the way I kind of look at how to build starting lineups is okay last season. And this is like maybe a little too crazy for some people, but this is kind of how I look at it. What was an average win every year last year? So if it's 150 points, okay. So I need to get 150 points every week. How do I do that? So that's why I would always tell people like, don't reach on a tight end because the, the difference between maybe Noah Fant and a guy like, uh, let's say it's it's Jonu Smith. What's that going to be? Maybe two points a week right. per game? Like, that's all. It's not that significant. So if you're thinking of taking Noah Fant in round seven, but you've got a guy, let's say, like DJ Chark, well, what's the difference between what you're – like, if you were to take Chark and Jonu Smith, what's the difference between taking – Noah Fant in the seventh round and Jarvis Landry in the ninth. So that's how you kind of got to build your roster. So that's why I don't love reaching for guys. Like I'm all for taking the guys that you like and the guys that you believe in, but don't reach for a positional need when there's other value there. Because the other thing is too, Peter, is you can always make trades. There's always, if you have a plethora of wide receivers, that means somebody or a plethora of running backs, that means somebody is hurting somewhere. And you'll find those guys very quickly, probably by week three, you'll know exactly who they are. So there's a way to kind of build your roster. I say don't reach at the tight end position, especially because there's just so much volatility there. See, this is why I do this before the draft season starts because I 100% (laughs) was planning on having Travis Kelsey on my roster. Um, So I'm I'm glad we talked this out. Uh, A couple running backs who are going at the top um, are, I'll say, polarizing, I guess. Uh, And they're both in the the same division with Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. Saquon, because his leg fell off last year and everyone's worried it's going to do that again. And Ezekiel Elliott, because everyone's just assuming because he's not nine that he's too old and he's going to to fall off of a cliff. Um, Certainly a couple of guys who I feel like could shift the dynamic of fantasy football this season, where if they're awesome, the guy who drafted him probably going to win. And if they suck, that's going to be an uphill climb. How are you handling those two running backs this year? So the Saquon Barkley fall has been insane. Like I know in some best ball drafts, I've seen him drop into the second round in 12 team best ball drafts. And that to me is, is startling. Yeah. And the only reason why he's dropped is because there's been talk that they're going to ease him back into his role. Well, yeah, no kidding. He's not going to get 22 touches the first week he comes back after tearing his ACL. Like that's just not going to happen. Like what, right. he's not Superman. <laughs> so I would absolutely be buying the dip on Saquon Barkley because we know he's a great pass catcher. We know that he's great out of the backfield. And we know that he's done all that with poor quarterback play because he had Eli Manning at the end of his career and he had Daniel Jones, who's not been very good. And he's done it with terrible O-line play. So the guy is literally as close as you can, as close as you can get to the perfect player because he's done it without really good pieces around him. So I don't, I, I understand that there's some concern with the injury but these guys are freak athletes and, and Saquon Barkley's not just going to disappear. I understand it's been two straight years where, you know, he's been hurt, but this is a guy that you talk about as one of the premier athletes and, you know, talented running backs in the NFL. So I'm, I'm good with Saquon Barkley. If I can get him late in the first round of any draft, I think I'm laughing because yeah. you don't lose your fantasy season in the first two weeks. 
So even if they ease him back and by week three or week four, he's okay. You can start 0-3. And then he comes back and he's now a league winner. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good with that. You know, the Ezekiel Elliott talk is really funny to me because Dak Prescott got injured, I believe it was week five. And Ezekiel Elliott, last time I checked, still finished as an RB1. And he, yeah. So he wasn't good and still finished as an RB1. And everybody wants to tell me that Tony Pollard is this and Tony Pollard is that. Tony Pollard isn't Ezekiel Elliott. So now that you're going to have improved quarterback play, hopefully Dak is healthy, then you look at, at how it all plays out for him. Well, you've got three really good wide receivers in Dallas in uh, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. You've got two pretty good tight ends in Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. The offensive line has improved. And, oh, by the way, you have that signal caller behind center who's really, really, really good, especially for fantasy purposes. So what's going to happen? Ezekiel Elliott's not going to face nearly as many eight-man boxes as he did last year. You have to account for those three wide receivers and those two tight ends. Yeah. It's just the way football works. So what does that do? That leaves opportunity and holes for Ezekiel Elliott. I fully expect that Ezekiel Elliott is an RB1. Um, he's probably not a top three running back, but I could certainly see him as a top six or seven running back. And I'm pretty comfortable in that. As long as he's healthy, I think we're fine. He's a guy who can handle 20 to 25 touches a week. And yes, okay, Tony Pollard's going to be there. But Dallas is also going to be in more favorable game scripts for running the ball more, I think, because they have a better quarterback. Right. And the the thing with injuries is like football kind of sucks on the body like that the the human body is not built to play the sport of football at the level these guys do so everyone has injury concerns it's football i if injury is the only thing holding someone back in the rankings i just i need a better reason than that in 2021 yeah yeah i i totally agree with you on that if it's if it's something that there's been constant talk about you know a lingering issue like joe burrow would be an example Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is is coming off of a torn ACL, I think a torn MCL and a damaged PCL. Like his knee basically got ripped to shreds. Yeah. Um, and for a guy who probably needs to move a little bit because I don't think the offensive line is still where it needs to be to protect him. Yeah, I would have concerns about that because they're still talking about it. Nobody's talking about an injury holding back Ezekiel Elliott right Nobody is talking about an injury holding back Saquon Barkley right now, especially Barkley. Cause I do think that Elliot was banged up last year as well. He took a beating because they just weren't that good. Yeah. Um, and I, and the Barkley thing, everybody keeps saying he looks great and, and he looks like he should be ready for week one. Okay. Maybe they'll ease him back. And that's what I would hope that they would do. But yeah, I agree injury, unless it's something that they keep talking about, then, then I have my concerns. But nobody's talking about something holding back Saquon Barkley. So that's why I don't necessarily understand why there's a dip in his ADP. But if you have the chance to grab him, like, I mean, if you're pick 10 and Saquon Barkley is still there, because there is a chance that he's still there, you snag up Saquon Barkley and you reap the rewards of a guy who could finish as the RB1, you know, alongside Christian McCaffrey. Um, I know you said you want to come away with three running backs in the first three rounds, but does taking those guys who do have maybe a little bit more of that risk, does that kind of, uh, I guess, solidify even more? Like I, I need a little bit more upper end running back depth because there maybe are a couple more red flags around these guys than other guys. Yeah. I think that's a very fair assessment. So if I'm, if I'm taking a Saquon Barkley, I really want a guy like Nick Chubb or, and another guy that was hurt and Austin Eckler, who another guy that was hurt. right. Um, 
and and DeAndre Swift, who has a groin issue. So that's see, we've we've outlined it right there. This is why you want high level running backs because yes, the wide receivers are going to be there. You know, Devonte Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, guys like that. They're going to put up the numbers. You know that that's going to happen. That's that's great. But the running backs are always the home run hitters. They always are, especially guys, especially guys you know who have PPR value because that's what everybody's playing. I, right. I hate that I have to. I'm going to just say, just everybody assume that you play PPR and that standard is you know not standard anymore. <laughs> um, but that's why you love those guys because not only do they have the ability to make big plays out of the backfield, but they, some guys like Alvin Kamara get used out of the slot. They, they catch passes out of like Alvin Kamara is pretty much locked in for 80 receptions every single season. Mm -hmm. So you add that with, with, you know, maybe 900 rushing yards. And, you know, last year, I think he had like 17 touchdowns. He had the one game where he had six for God's sake. Like, so you add in all that. That's why the running backs are more valuable because they are home run hitters. Yes, Devontae Adams is going to put up numbers with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, uh, Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs have a great rapport, and Stephon Diggs is going to have a great season. But those running backs, if you can hit on them early, you 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 set it and forget it with those guys. You know, and then there's and then you want to hit on the position later. Maybe there's some guys that are handcuffed running backs that you want to take. But running back position, I just the zero RB strategy I never understood. Because I just don't like, yeah, okay, it might work, but it probably won't. Yeah, no, I, I am very much with you on that. Um, going into to a little bit further down, um, are, are you like everyone in the fantasy world always wants to find the, this year's James Robinson or, or whoever, like the, the breakout guys? Are there guys a little bit further down that you're kind of seeing that you're a little bit higher on than, than some other people maybe are? Yeah, I'm, I'm high on Antonio Brown. And it's not okay. a breakout thing, and he's 33 years old. But Antonio Brown goes into an offense with Tom Brady and two other really, really, really good receivers. But Antonio Brown, from weeks 9 to 17, was wide receiver 22. He walked in off the street, didn't know the playbook, and was wide receiver 22. Yes, Chris Godwin was wide receiver 17 and Mike Evans was wide receiver 11. But the guy who led the team in targets in that time was Antonio Brown. Tom Brady loves Antonio Brown. He's the guy who petitioned to have him in New England. He's the guy who petitioned to have him in Tampa Bay. And Antonio Brown re-signed with the notion that he's probably going to be Tom Brady's number one target. Tom Brady didn't even fully grasp the playbook until about halfway through the year last season. So what does that tell you? <laughs> like we could absolutely be seeing three 1000 yard receivers in Tampa Bay and Antonio Brown could be the guy that gets the most shine. He's, I believe he's being drafted at wide receiver 40. So if he's wow. drafted at wide receiver 40, he could outperform his ADP by 20 spots. That's value. Yeah. That's what you like to see. So I, I'm very much on board with the Antonio Brown train. I know he may be a bad human being, but there's lots of bad human beings that, you know, I'm not, I'm not like cheering for him, but if he's on my fantasy team, I'm happy to have him. But it seems like the value is there because, you know, if he's getting drafted as some team's wide receiver force, like imagine, imagine Antonio Brown as a flex play. If Antonio Brown is putting up, or at least that's what you drafted him as, 
and he's putting up weekly wide receiver one, wide receiver two numbers because that's what that's what wide receiver twenty does. So I I absolutely think we can see it. Um, Chris Godwin hasn't been able to stay healthy over the right. last two years. There's been some up and ups and downs. So if Antonio Brown's healthy, I think I think he draws the eye of Tom Brady. And I think that you can absolutely reap the rewards of taking a guy that late and getting a lot of value. Uh, a couple, there's not much for, um, I was going to say spring training, wrong sport, uh, for, for preseason battles that can, can really alter things. But a, a couple that I do have an eye on out in New Orleans and out in San Francisco with the quarterback position, because that it feels like that changes things. Um, I guess, do you put uh, any kind of importance on who's playing quarterback at, at either of those spots for, for how you're ranking guys? Let's start with New Orleans because that one, I still think that Jameis Winston gives you or at least he makes the players around him better. Yeah. But if Taysom Hill is starting every week, he has great standalone value. And I don't know what he does for the rest of the guys in the lineup. Cause I just don't think he's a great quarterback. I right. think he's a guy that, that can rely on his legs and he's going to vulture touchdowns and he's going to have, he's going to have a pretty decent floor because of those abilities. But I just don't know what he does for everyone else. Like, I don't know what Taysom Hill does for Michael Thomas when he comes back. I don't know what he does for Marquez Calloway. And I don't know what he does for Traquan Smith. I do know that Alvin Kamara's value probably doesn't change all that much because Alvin Kamara is a stud. Right. So I, I think if we're looking at like selfishly, if I want, if I have Taysom Hill on my team, then I don't care about what everybody else does. So I think that if Taysom Hill starts the whole season as the as the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, that Taysom Hill will have great value. I think that everyone else other than Alvin Kamara's value goes down the toilet. Yeah. Counter to that, Jameis Winston, if he's the quarterback, I don't know, like, because there's the interception issue. So I don't know how, like, maybe Jameis Winston is a, a high-end or mid-range QB too, but I think he makes other players around him better because they're going to have to throw the ball a lot more because they're going to be chasing games because he's throwing too many interceptions. So it's a totally different philosophy. So that's why you kind of got to be careful. In San Francisco, Trey Lance, to me, gives the Niners the best chance to win every week and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't. I just think that Trey Lance does so many things better. He's more agile. He's got the better arm talent. He can get out of, out of trouble with his legs. And I think he's, he's going to make other players around him better. Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, is, is a game manager. He doesn't, he doesn't throw the ball deep very well. He's not a guy that can really get out of pressure. Like If you have a really good offensive line, you can have Jimmy Garoppolo sit in the pocket. Sure, that's great. But I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo maximizes the, the value of the guys around him. Whereas mm -hmm. I think Trey Lance not only maximizes his own value because he can run and he can, and he can score touchdowns and he can make plays, but I think he's got the better arm talent to make guys like George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel better. So I think that's where kind of the difference is. Um, Trey Lance certainly being at quarterback will take away from the running backs. Whereas I find that Jimmy Garoppolo probably wouldn't. So again, it's kind of where you sit. Like if you have, Trey Sermon or Raheem Moster, you want Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. <laughs> but if you have Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle or Debo Samuel, you want Trey Lance as your quarterback. For me personally, I want Trey Lance as my quarterback. You yeah. know, people will look at his line from his first preseason game and say, oh, he was five of 12 for 100 and whatever it was, 20 yards and a touchdown. That completion percentage is terrible. Okay, but let's look at it a little bit. There were three drops in there. 
So mm-hmm. Trey Lance on 12 passes, if he's completing eight of them and has 75% completion percentage, you go, whoa, Trey, <laughs> who's, who's Trevor Lawrence? Who's Justin Fields? Who are right. Zach Wilson? Nah, it's Trey Lance, man. So that's where it's kind of dangerous to get scoreboard watching and box score watching because I think Trey Lance is an incredible talent. And if you can grab Trey Lance late, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is starting the whole season. I've said it and I'll say it again. I think that Trey Lance is starting by week six. If you can take a guy, let's say like, you know, a Ryan Fitzpatrick that can maybe get you through those first six weeks and then Trey Lance comes in, you could have a league winner on the game. Yeah, I, I love that strategy. Um, I think that that's a solid one. And yes, no, it it, it makes a whole lot of sense to, to write a guy off after his first preseason game in the NFL. So um, yes. happy. Some, it happens happy all the time. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, last one. Uh, I've seen you tweet about this before. It's not necessarily a fantasy thing. How gosh darn annoying is it that we don't have the all 22 camera view here on the, the game pass in Canada? Yeah, it's, it's probably one of the most annoying things, especially for someone that likes to watch. Like, I'm, I'm kind of a, a nerd like that, and I mm-hmm. want to I wanna learn more about watching film, but I don't have the ability to do so. Right. Uh, you and I have actually talked about this on the air before, and, I, and I've said it. Like, how is it that it's not available? Like, I don't know. I'm no tech guy, but to me, it's kind of just like, well, if you have it available in one place, how hard can it be to put it into another place? Exactly. Well, but we miss out on a lot of fantasy football analysis because we don't get to watch a lot of tape. It's really hard to watch, you know, what guys are doing, what routes they're running. Like, yes, we can get that information afterwards and on paper, but it's really hard to kind of break down what guys are doing because, you know, I would love to watch, you know, Jerry Judy last season, you know, Jerry Judy's numbers that you would look at them and go, well, it's not that great. He, he had 900 yards, but you know, a lot of the, you know, his, his catch percentage wasn't very good. Well, I would love to see how much uh, separation that Jerry Judy is creating. I would love to see how many times Jerry Judy is beating a corner or, or whoever's covering him. And the guy just doesn't hit him or the guy just doesn't see him. Like that's the type of stuff that you want to see. And we just don't have that ability. So if anybody from the zone is listening, I want, and Peter wants the all 22 footage, get it now. Yes. No better way to end this. Uh, Matt, thanks for doing this, dude. I appreciate it. Hopefully we get that uh, that all 22. But uh, in the meantime, I'm, I'm sure I'll be bugging you during the, the football season. Anytime, Peter.